0: Gracious God, open our hearts to the message and prodding of Your Word, so that more and more we might be conformed to the image of Your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. A few weeks ago, our chaplain, Annette Brownlee, led us off with an introduction, and last week, Mari Lismat led us in a reflection on the first aspect of the fruit that Paul mentions here, Love. It's in verse 22 of Galatians 5, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. Today we consider the second in Paul's list, joy. And I want to consider two propositions in relation to the concept of joy. First, joy is oppositional. And secondly, joy is closer than you think. First, joy is oppositional. Well, Paul begins verse 22 actually not with the words, the fruit of the Spirit is love, but with, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and so on. Well said, Paul. In fact, the book of Galatians itself is about a contrast or about an opposition. And it's between two things. A true gospel that Paul had preached to the Galatians initially and a false one involving Jewish rites, such as circumcision, that others had since preached. And what characterized this false gospel? Well, it called for the Galatians, perhaps the Gentiles only among them, to revert to Jewish practices and slavish obedience to the law. Paul is adamant that this is an anti-gospel. It could not contrast more starkly with the true gospel. Paul associates the true gospel with freedom, The false with imprisonment, the true with being the children of God, the false with being slaves confined to a cell by a devilish band of prison wardens, the true with being heirs of God's promise to Christ by Abraham, the false with continuing as slaves who do not recognize Christ the heir. But above all, it involves being made righteous before God by the hearing of faith rather than by the works of the law. The true message of God's favor, grace, kindness, sonship, freedom comes to us by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, as Paul says in chapter 1, verse 4, gave himself for our sins, to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. My friends, Paul's contrast is worth noting and taking to heart. The stark contrast was no doubt conditioned by the particular nature of the heresy that prevailed in the Galatian church in Paul's day. And the nature of that Jewish legalistic heresy we will probably never fully recover. But Paul's contrast between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, in the passage that we just read, make it crystal clear for our day that there are two distinct and mutually exclusive sorts of behaviors that cannot be reconciled. Well, they can. But Paul won't have anything of it. Now the works of the flesh are as follows. And then follow some fifteen vices. Beginning in the first two cases, and I mention them simply to complement love and uh, joy, pornea, sexual impurity that is against the teaching of the Word of God. And then impurity of other kinds. Of the works of the flesh, Paul says in verse 21, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So then the first aspect of joy is that it is oppositional, and the fruit of the Spirit is set in complete contrast with the works of the flesh. Well, so what are we advocating here when we say, be joyful? It may sound like a whole other sort of works righteousness involving love, joy, peace, But nothing could be further from the truth. We are free from the law, Paul says, and so we have freedom in Christ. But Paul urges us, as it were, to draw upon the resources that have been given to us by grace when we received the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit dwelling in a believer that generates love, that generates joy, that generates peace, and so on. As the heart pumps throughout our bodies so too for the person baptized by the Holy Spirit, that is the person who has believed in the gospel, love, joy, and other byproducts of the Spirit's presence flow within us. A few days ago, I had a glass of apple juice. The juice, the byproduct of the fruit, was there in a glass within my reach simply to imbibe So too, even more so, the Holy Spirit of God produces from within us, by virtue of the Spirit's presence and for us, the qualities listed here including joy. So if the Holy Spirit dwells within us, love, joy, and peace are not only within reach, but they are already part of our new creaturehood in Christ. So joy is closer than we think. But what if we don't have a sense of joy? It's possible to genuinely possess something of which we do not avail ourselves. I can have a million dollars in a bank account in my name and still live the life of a penniless person. That would be a shame. What can we do to make sure that we are um, appropriate stewards and beneficiaries of the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is joy? Well, first we ought not to confuse joy with happiness. Happiness which comes from the same root as hap, chance, often depends on circumstance. No, joy is deeper, it lies under the surface, and as we know from other parts of Scripture, can be there even in the midst of suffering. Second joy comes not by getting, but by giving. I worry that a lot of people make the same mistake in this regard as with happiness. The pursuit of it for its own sake is almost a sure guarantee that it will not be secured. Paul says as much when he talks about the first outcome of the Spirit, namely love. In verse 13 of chapter 5, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. I suspect he well could have said the same thing about joy. It is unveiled, disclosed, and appreciated and appropriated as we offer ourselves one to the other in acts of service. Joy ought not to be associated with happiness. Joy comes not by getting, by giving. Thirdly, the joy that is the byproduct of the Holy Spirit can be experienced when we focus on all that we have in Christ. Recall how I began this homily by talking about the nature of the true gospel, which included being sons and daughters of God by adoption forever, which includes being free, which includes receiving the gift of God's presence, the forgiveness of sins, fellowship in the body of Christ, God's favor by grace, and a future with him beyond the grave where there will be no more suffering and where everything will be made right. Recall that from which you have been spared, especially those things which pertain to sin and its natural byproduct, Eternity without God, and joy is almost sure to follow. Fourth, because this joy is extraordinary, different from anything the world can give that we might imagine, this joy can be experienced even in the midst of suffering. Now, that's not to say that suffering in itself is good, much less that the things that cause our suffering are necessarily good. Christian psychologist Heath Lambert put it well when he said, we're not called to rejoice in suffering Because we love the suffering in and of itself, suffering is bad, suffering is hard, and often comes at the hands of wicked people. We do rejoice in suffering because of what God is able to do through our suffering. And Paul lists among those things that suffering can produce. In Romans 5, endurance, proven character, hope, and this is a hope that does not disappoint, which comes full circle from the Holy Spirit, which issues forth love. Richard Wormbrand was a pastor in Romania in the 1940s. In August of 1944, the Soviets of Russia occupied Romania and soon declared atheism to be the new religion of this, now a communist, Romania. Wormbrand had the, the nerve to uh, declare communism and Christianity to be incompatible. And he paid a high price for this. In 1948, as he was going to his church, he was arrested by the secret police and was thrown into prison where, for 14 years, he was in solitary confinement, without shoes, without Bible, without much of anything else. He was tortured regularly and beaten. He later recalled, "'Sometimes we would be taken by moments of despair. We had such a longing after our children, after our wives.' That we would lose our minds and we would begin to bang at the door in the night. My son's name is Miche, my wife's name is Vincia. And I would begin to bang at the door and I would cry, Give me back Miche, give me back Miche, give me back. But Wurmbrand also recalls an incredible sense of joy that he had at recalling the love of Jesus. When drugged with narcotics to the point where he could no longer remember the Lord's Prayer, he was able, for example, to offer as a sort of a prayer simply the beating of a loving heart. Well, Wormbrand has told his story in several books, but one story stands out for me, as it has for many, that of often often dancing for joy at night in the confines of his cell. And I want uh, you to hear uh, the words from him himself. The Romanian accent is a little hard to follow, but you get it. Just tune your ear to it quickly. Sometimes you would be overcome by such a joy of the presence of the Lord that we would have to dance and be danced like this. This <speaking> in slava, Donul Duhul lui Mai ce mai vrei. You would... Feel that your heart went in pieces if you would not dance for joy. So great. I was interested to know what the Romanian hymn was, so I contacted a friend of mine, and the hymn is translated as follows From the sunny glory above, the meek, gentle Lord seeks his own. His spirit soothes everything. What do you want or wish more than this? What could we want? more than this. The presence of the Holy Spirit within us, which with supernatural power issues forth a joy, the fire of which cannot be quenched. Thanks be to God for the gift of His Holy Spirit, which includes joy. Amen.